It's going to be a good week. Because if you don't like relatives, you can watch football on Thursday. So if you're there with them, my, my relative, one of my relatives, uh, sent me a, a text saying, if you don't like being with the family, there's an empty apartment downstairs with a TV where you can watch football. I said, oh, I'll hang out for the food for a while, and then we'll go from there. Anyway, uh, we're going to be turning to Jeremiah 29 in a moment and reading from the Message Bible. So uh, let, let me just say this morning, we have some great speakers. And uh, you know what's going to be great about today? It's only going to be like 25, 30 minutes, and uh, the speaking will be done. So that, that's a miracle in itself. All right. All right. Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Lift them high, say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it from my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today's theme is being thankful for God's story about me. And uh, that's not always the case with some folks, but hopefully today you're going to walk out of here and go, I'm thankful for the story God is writing about my life. So Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14a says this in the message. I know what I'm doing. Don't, I, it doesn't have just that, just that phrase alone. He knows what he's doing even if you don't, all right? I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. That's amazing. All right. Now, we all have a story that God's planned out for our lives It's a story filled with a great future and full of hope. And today you're going to hear from five people, uh, their stories. And here's the ground rules for these five folks. Number one, each speaker will come up, introduce themselves and their topic. Once they've done that, uh, then they each have five minutes, and then the timer will start. At the end of the five minutes, the buzzer will go off. If the speaker continues after 30 seconds, the buzzer will go off again. Then the next speaker will walk up and take the mic from them. If they don't do that, Pastor Doug will. The new speaker will introduce themselves, and then the whole process starts over again with the same rules in effect. Now, some of them might be nervous. They're not used to being up here in front of all of you. And... And, and maybe they fight rejection, so they, they don't want to, you know, be rejected. So here's what you need to do when they're up here. They might stutter. They might 
uh, fall over some words. Here's what you need to do. It's okay. Say that with me. It's okay. Or you can say, amen, and say their name. And, or you can say, yeah, baby. Say that with me. Yeah, baby. Or sick them, whatever their name is, all right? Now, make sure you encourage them as they share. Now, our first speaker, I've known since she was born. She grew up and attended church here. She's now a college graduate, has a great job, making great money. Is that not, not yet? Okay. All right. So please give a great applause to Savannah Spinth. Check, check. You're in. Okay, first I'll ask that you don't say, yeah, baby, on this one. Just That's going to throw me off, distract me a little bit. So as Pastor Doug said, my name is Savannah Smith, and uh, my topic that I'm going to be speaking on today is God's demonstration of his protection over my life, and that's the part of my story that I wanted to, uh, to speak to. From my first breath, to this very moment and every season in between, God has shown immense grace in how he has sheltered me from both the bigger harmful situations as well as the smaller poor choices. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalms 32, and today I wanted to address verses 7 through 8. In the New Living Translation, they say, For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. There's so much that can be dissected from this portion of scripture, but I really wanted to draw out two main points. God promises to guide you along the best pathway for your life. Even if you can't see how this stretch of the road is going to play out into the larger scheme of your life, God promises to only lead you through his best plan. And in my life, I could cite dozens of examples of how God has shown protection over me. But one example that's pretty relevant and pretty close to now where I've seen this is actually through my work history. During my last two years of college, I was able to work full-time in a retail position. And my college advisors and my college professors really tried to dissuade me from this, uh, from this choice, citing that I probably needed to find a job in my field, get some experience, and maybe find an internship where I could get a job after college with relevant work history. And the more that I prayed about it and I sought other opportunities, nothing ever seemed right. I didn't feel at peace. I had the sense that I needed to stay planted right where I was at and build the skill set there. And this ultimately proved to be the best route for me. Even though I couldn't see that at first, I was able to graduate on time through being able to work a very flexible work schedule around my college courses. I was able to pay off a good percentage of my tuition through the job that I had. And I was able to get a job within about a month after graduating in my field. And it turned out later that even though my prior work history wasn't even in the same industry as the job that I was applying for, the skills that I had gained at my previous job were exactly what they wanted to see for this position that they were hiring for. And when I look back at that season of my life, I can see God's protection even in the, the small area of my career. He knew what the best pathway for me looked like, even when I couldn't, and even when I was confused and I couldn't really see how everything fit together. My second point is that God has his hand over your path of protection. 
Has anybody here seen Star Wars and remembered in the earlier episodes where the droidicas were fighting with force deflector shields? So the Jedis also use these too, but it's like this orb of energy or like a transparent glass orb that surrounded the fighter as they were going through battle. And even if there was an attacker that sought to uh, shoot them from behind or take them out from their blind spot, they were protected from all angles. And as funny a visual as this is in this context, that's really what comes to mind for me when I picture God's protection over me on my pathway. And it's funny because this is so comprehensive in that nothing can get in. I could stray outside of this protection myself, but that would be my own choice. The other stuff doesn't matter as much as my relationship with him because he's the one that determines my destiny regardless of what happens here in the natural. And I could get sick. I could lose loved ones. I could lose my jobs. I could die. I will die one day physically. But as long as I stay with God and my spiritual health is intact, I'm so covered. And he almost so promises to advise me. And this means giving me wisdom even when I'm at a crossroads in my life and I don't know which route to pick or I see something off the path a little bit that catches my eye, gives me insight to be able to see what I might not naturally be able to see with my own eyes. And the more that I trust in his protection over me, the less I really want to stray away from his direction. In conclusion, I am so grateful for God's protection, his precision, and his grace in guiding me through his best path for me. And I want you guys to leave here, if anything, I want you to leave here with that same expectation and sense of peace as you walk out of here and you continue forward on your journey. Thank you. Boy, that was good, but I thought five minutes would go a lot quicker than that. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike Tadgett. What I'm going to be talking about today is how sometimes the small things that happen in your life, the things that you don't even realize, um, have a big impact. So, um, it's going. Two months ago, when Doug asked me to um, speak today, I about something I was thankful for in my life, I automatically went to my salvation experience. But once I got there, I knew I wasn't going to speak on it. So then I went on the big events. I went to the big events in my life. And I knew I wasn't going to speak about those. And so I was kind of perplexed because if I can't share those, then what story am I thankful for? And I went to my son Garrett, and I thought, if I were to tell his story, what would I be thankful for? And the thing that happened is I went to the garbage disposal. Now, the garbage disposal, when Garrett was a young kid in diapers, um, as a good dad, I showed him how to work the garbage disposal. And one time I was in the kitchen, and I turned on the garbage disposal, and all of a sudden, I heard these little feet run through the dining room, the living room. And he came in front of the sink and planted himself down like this. He reached open the door, looked at the switch for a minute, flipped it off, looked at the garbage disposal, listened to it wind down. And when it stopped, he stood up, closed the door, and he ran back into the living room. And when I thought of that story and a few others, I knew that I was going to speak on the small things in life. And the reason why is that I realized that the small things are the things that glue our relationships together. As body of believers, it's the small things that we have in common that, keep, that hold us together as a body. And 
then I knew why I wasn't going to speak on my salvation experience. And I knew why I wasn't going to speak on the big things in life. And that's because as important as those are, they're not the reason why I'm serving Jesus Christ today. It's the small interactions that I have with you are the reason why. So I would like to burn through a few before my time is up. I would like to start with um, John Rodine. He's a black-haired guy that's right over there. The thing I like about John is that he's uh, soft-spoken, he's unassuming, and he loves God. But the thing that really blesses me about him is he has a meekness of his soul that I wish that I had. Um, this one's kind of funny. Everyone, you know Paul and Karen Esther? Um, they've been going to church here Easter. They've been going to church here for as long as I have, and I doubt if I've spoken um, 50 words to them. But for some reason, every time I see them in church, it's significant to me, and I don't know why, but it just is. Um, Karen Finley, I don't think she expected this, but one time Terry and I were talking, and Karen was part of the conversation. And she didn't say much, but what she said was significant because what it showed was the depth of love that she had for Terry and the hope that she had for him for his future. And I know I do, but we should all have a wife who loves us as much as Karen loves Terry. Um, Beth McCarty. Beth and I have known each other for a long time, and we sort of have, now we sort of have this hi-bi relationship. What I mean by that is we say hi to each other in church, and then we say bye to each other after church is over. But the thing I've known about Beth for a long time is that she really has a heart for God, and she really has a heart for people to um, live their fullest life or expression with their relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I were the type of guy that shared my problems with other people, which I'm not, Beth is one of the only people in the church that I trust my heart with. So thanks, Beth. Next one. These are two people that I never talk to, Jimmy and Jess. And I never do, and it's just the small things. What happens is Jimmy gets up, up here, and if anyone has this confidence in Jesus Christ, Jimmy does. It's like nothing's going to go wrong for him. Everything's going to work out. Now, what I am going to say is that when Jess gets up here and she speaks, it's easy to see the depth of the relationship she has with Jesus Christ and the love she has. Now, I might get in trouble, but sometimes it reminds me of this mama bear faith, and it's there and it's powerful, but you don't want to provoke her because you know you're in trouble. And nothing but love with that one. Um, Terry Moore, I love this guy. He has this bashful smile on his face when you talk to him. But the thing I like about Terry is that he has this simple outlook on life. And it's just, if you will just do these few things, then good things will happen to you. And it's encouraging every time I talk to Terry. Um, Todd Bridges. I have probably talked to him twice since he's been going to church here. One time was to say hello. The other time was after a men's meeting, and we just hung around for a while and talked about football. And it was inconsequential because it's what guys do. But the thing is, sometimes life gets busy and you get lonely. So thanks, Todd, for that conversation. I appreciate it. Um, Robert Failer, he has the three Bs going for him. He has this big smile. He has this big voice, and he has this big hand that he sticks out to shake with you. And it's a pleasure every time I talk to that guy on a Sunday. Um, oh, my time's almost up. I'm, I'm in the red. So it seems like I've left out important people, like I've left out Doug and Lois, and I've left out my wife, Kirsten, my daughters, Rachel, Aaliyah, and Emily, but I haven't. I love them with my whole heart, but they are a different story. The people that I've left out is many of you. 
and the reason I know this, go to my notes, is because um, the small events that we shared, they're the glue, they're the string that have tied my relationship with Jesus Christ together. Thank you. I was going to say, can I take the time that they didn't take? But he actually got to the buzzer part, so. <laughs> um, my name is Cassie Sawin, and yes, I am pregnant, so you can stop wondering while I talk. <laughs> I'm doing six weeks, so that's exciting. Um, I didn't know this, but I didn't know what my topic would be like I did, but I didn't have, like, a title. But in worship this morning, I realized that it was so much better your ways. That's what mine was going to be. Sorry. <sighs> I'm pregnant. I might cry. We'll go with it. All right. Okay, so I grew up going to church um, my whole life, knew a lot about Jesus, went to the youth groups, just loved being in that Christian environment, but really didn't live my life for Christ. Like, it was really Cassie and what Cassie wanted, what felt good to Cassie at the time. Um, I grew up playing basketball, maybe shocker, I'm like 6'2", but <laughs> primarily played basketball, and then in the fall, I'd be like, hey, I'll play volleyball to stay in shape, um, and that turned out to be an incredible thing for my future that one decision to play volleyball because my senior year at regional play in Spokane, um, the head coach for WSC was there scouting a girl on the other team. Had no idea who I was. After the game, came up to my dad and was like, hey, is your daughter signed anywhere? And I wasn't yet, nor did I think I'd be going to a Pac-12 school. Like, that was nowhere on my radar. And long story short, I was signed and got a full ride to play um, for WSU. So go Cougs. <laughs> And um, once I was at WSU, away from my parents and their very structured rules, which I'm so thankful for, um, I got right into the collegiate life of an athlete, which meant we trained hard and we partied even harder. Um, I, <laughs> I just, I love the party scene. Like, it was something that I looked forward to after a really long weekend. Um, I got caught up in that. Saturday night, I'd be out drinking, partying, and by the grace of God, I would still make it to church on Sundays. <laughs> I knew, yeah, I knew, I knew I wanted God to be a part of my life, but I wasn't really, really ready to give up um, the things I had been doing for my life. Um, I was totally fine with how I was living, um, and didn't really see a reason to change. All the other Christian athletes around me, we partied, we went to church, we lived our lives, and thought it was all great. Um, my sophomore year, I was asked to be on leadership with this Christian athlete group, and honestly, I was like, I don't think I'm ready to give up some of these things I feel like I need to give up, or do I feel like I'm a good enough Christian to do that? So I passed up that opportunity, and it wasn't until my junior year that all of that really caught up to me, all of the partying, um, the guys, and I honestly, like, hit a brick wall, like... <laughs> in my soul, like just hit a brick wall and had realized all these pieces of myself that I was giving away or just being so destructive with my own decisions. Like nobody ever did anything to me. Like I chose to do some of these things and I realized that the effects that they were having on me. Um, and I just remember crying out to Jesus in my room to help me to turn from this empty life um, that I thought would be so fulfilling, all the attention and um, just being an athlete and everything that I would feel in that moment from the party scene. Um, and just, yeah, asked him to draw me closer to him. I asked him to forgive me. Like, that's one thing that happened. Like, before this, I, I asked Jesus as my Savior into my heart, all of those things when I was really young. 
but I never really had that relationship with him that was 24-7, that wasn't just on Sundays, that wasn't just at youth groups, that wasn't just in the environments where he was already presented to me. Um, and so that, like, honestly, my junior year of college, when I'm actually legal to drink, 21, <laughs> that's when I had my relationship with Jesus, and I was like, okay, I don't need this anymore. Like, now that it is permissible by, by society, it's nothing I'm going to have be a part of my life. Um, and so with that, like, in that season, um, I really grew my relationship with Christ. Like, I stopped going to the parties. It was really lonely. I would spend my Friday and Saturday nights, like, in my room with worship music and sermons. Um, and instead of being in the arms of some guy, I was in the arms of my Savior, like, allowing him to love me in ways that I had never allowed him to love me before. But it was like, yeah, just realizing that, like, that relationship with Jesus was, like, filet mignon and all the other stuff was, like, a can of spam that was just, like, bloating my soul. Like, that is what I realized. So I'm just thankful that in that season... Um, I still chose God, even though I wasn't living as a Christian should live. And if you know people in your life that are, that are doing that, that they're here, and maybe you know the decision they made last night, don't judge them. Just love them because God is in process in their life, and he's at work. Um, and I have like 33 seconds left. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so I'm thankful for, to okay. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful to say... Yeah, thanks, Petey. <laughs> I am thankful for saying yes to God, even in my brokenness. Still serving, even though I was figuring out how to love him and live for him. You see, God isn't asking you to change yourself. He is asking you to trust him and allow him to change you in the process of doing his will. So regardless of your struggles, don't let it keep you from coming to God's house, hearing his word, and being stirred by the Holy Spirit, because one day when you have had enough of yourself and the decisions you're making for your life, he will re reveal himself to you and your desires will surely start to shift. I have found that God will not control you. He comes into your life to the depth and degree of which you allow. And so I just hope and pray that today you'll allow him in a little deeper than you have before. Thanks. Hi, my name is Justin Marasigan. I'm one of the local physicians here, and I'm type of um, type of guy that kind of goes under the radar. So I've been here for like six, five, six years. But uh, thank you, Pastor Doug, for this opportunity. And my uh, topic comes out of Jeremiah 1:5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So much like Cassie, I grew up in the church. Um, my parents were very active in the church, so they pretty much forced me to go to Sunday school since a very early age. A lot of people could relate, I'm sure. Um, so I always thought my, and I was baptized in the third grade, kind of, I was an obedient kid too, so I didn't really fight going to church. Would go even in high school and in adulthood, um, just from what my, how my parents raised me. So I always thought my, uh, my Christian life was kind of bland, you know. I didn't really think, yeah, because I was born into it, basically. But looking back, there's a lot more into it. It's not as bland as I thought it was. So uh, to go back, though, um, I grew up, I was born in South Carolina. My parents were Filipino nurses. I got recruited to a hospital in South Carolina from the Philippines. That's actually where they met. I was born, and well, we moved out to uh, Southern California, L.A. area, when I was uh, four years old. And very much different than here. Uh, for example, my high school was 40% Asian, 35% Latino, mostly Mexican, 20% white, 10% black. 
Uh, and the, the, the Asian group is, a lot of it was Filipino, which I am too. Right? Uh, so and if you know anything about the Philippines, it's about 90% Catholic. So I was kind of seeing, you know, I went to a different church. We actually were Protestant and non-Catholics and, you know, which Catholics are Christians too, but uh, in that setting, a lot of people were just cultural Christians or cultural Catholics. So they kind of looked at me as being the outsider a little bit. I didn't go to the same church. Um, in elementary, junior high, it wasn't that big of a deal, but in high school, that's when it really kind of set with a lot of people. And, you know, when uh, in high school, people are starting to exclude each other or getting a little groups and cliques. And so that kind of set me apart a little bit. I was actually known as the Christian amongst some of my friends. Even, even though the Catholics are Christians, like, they know me as the Christian. And that kind of, uh, and in high school, I started getting really excluded from, like, hanging out at, being invited to hang out, you know, and party or whatnot. And uh, there's a um, few years when I really kind of felt lonely about it and uh, even got into some depression a little bit, not like clinical or any of the medications, but it really was kind of hard because a lot of these friends I grew up with or were meeting, I was starting to get excluded. But looking back, it ended up being a blessing um, because uh, a lot of those, they kind of excluded things, but a lot of those friends, the same ones that called me the Christian or kind of excluded me, a lot of them got into the really, like, really bad stuff, drugs, not even taking drugs, but selling drugs. Um, some got into gangs and getting gang fights. Uh, some of them started stealing cars and stuff like that. And even those that were not like really into that, but they were kind of still hanging out and doing that, like some of them, I, one of my friends ended up going to prison because he dropped off some friends. They started, stole a car and then people, he, got a, so he, he went to prison for association basically. Um, other friends, uh, I found out, and this, some of the stuff I heard, uh, found out years later or happened years later, even in, like after we were adults, but some of them, uh, they got guns pulled on them by, by both cops and by other, by gangsters, not cause they were the gangs or they were doing anything bad, but just by association. So looking back, it was like, you know, God kind of protected me, even though I didn't know it, God set me apart and kind of protected me and shielded me from a lot of that stuff. And that, uh, allowed me to you know, flourish, go to college, and go on further from that. And then looking back, um, like I said, I was born in the church, but my story, I guess, with that goes even farther than that. I, again, uh, uh, being one of the non, uh, only non-Catholics uh, Filipinos, I asked my dad, like, well, you know, why did we, you know, how did we get to that point? And because, like I said, my parents were very active in the church, and he said it actually stemmed from my grandmother, his, his mom. And she, uh, in the, in her, when she was a teenager, I don't know all the circumstances, but she ran into some missionaries in the Philippines. They, uh, she, she changed, they changed her heart, and she became very, very firm in the Lord. So, uh, but, but doing so, you know, again, 90%, uh, and probably where she was at, almost 100% of people were Catholic. They shunned her. She got ostracized. But she had such a loving heart that, um, that if she found out someone sick or in need, she, even if it's someone that turned her back on her, she would go and help them out. She, uh, uh, one of the, st the stories my dad tells me about her is that, you know, she would uh, wake up every morning and pray for everybody she could think of for two hours every single morning up until the day she died. So um, some her legacy was passing down uh, the strength and our, our faith. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's, you know, I never got a chance to talk to her about it because she died in the 1990s and she was in the Philippines. But, you know, she was, uh, her, um, her husband, my grandfather was, fought in World War II and the Philippine occupation. Japanese were not very kind to the Philippines. He actually fought with, uh, alongside, actually in a U.S. military unit, was actually buried with the U.S. flag. Never been to the U.S., but, you know, that's how, and then his children came to, his son came to, 
Philippines, uh, to the U.S., and then I was able to get a, you know, uh, serve a, um, a, be a better life than that, that they, uh, they had. So um, I wish I could go into more about the plan, but that's just like even just the setting, the footing of, uh, of my Christian faith was even before me. So I have, praise God for that. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Andrea Halstead, and uh, the theme that I'll be talking about is building a foundation, but also being willing to be, oh, wait, they've got my maiden name. I've been married for about 15 years now. Um, but being willing to be brave and bold um, with the Lord. And interestingly enough, um, as I was taught thinking about um, what my testimony would be like and the thing that I was thankful for the Lord for, um, I had one topic that I knew I was going to speak about, um, but there was something else that was brewing inside of me. And so much like the people before me, I grew up in a Christian home, um, started attending church probably since birth. I'm sure I was in the nursery. Um, but I also have a tendency, um, much like the gentleman before me, to kind of just stay back in the um, drafters. I've been coming to church here for about three or five years, and probably outside of the city group um, people that I met, I haven't um, extended myself and met many others. So speaking about um, building a foundation and being brave and bold in, in Christ, uh, my parents are Christians, uh, my grandparents are Christians, my aunts and uncles are Christians, and and many people before me um, have been believers in the Lord. So we grew up in church. Um, I remember being a little girl and um, being so excited for Sunday school. Uh, the, the biggest thing I couldn't wait for was to be in fourth grade because at the church I grew up in, in fourth grade, you got to sit out in the sermon. You didn't have to stay in the, in the back room. So I loved the Lord. Um, from a very young age, I um, asked him into my heart to be my savior. And then as I grew older, um, I definitely started drifting away from the Lord, um, particularly in my teenage years. I, teen years, I would say through my 20s, um, I used uh, drugs, alcohol. I had promiscuous sex. Um, interestingly enough, I was still attending church. Um, I attended church faithfully until I graduated high school and moved out of my parents' home. And then from that time, I would still occasionally go to church, definitely um, around the holiday seasons. I was always in church during Christmas and Easter, and then would even go to church um, when my family would gently nudge me. Um, I had two children, I think, by the time, um, which is interesting that this is a Thanksgiving, being thankful, um, because really when I came back to the Lord um, was during Thanksgiving, I think when I was about 32 years old. So um, this part really speaks to the... Um, theme about being brave and bold. So we were at my parents' house um, Thanksgiving. My son, Kylan, was six years old. My daughter was 12. And I was kind of sitting by myself. And I remember my uncle, and I don't know if any of you know Dan Zimbel. Um, he attends church at the Wishkaw Valley. But my uncle Dan came, sat next to me, and he said, um, Andrea, you know, your parents gave you the opportunity to know the Lord. And what you decided to do with it from then was your choice don't you think that your children deserve the same thing? And whoo, that hit me like a dagger because I knew there was so much truth in that. As a parent, um, it was my responsibility to help my children know the Lord, <clears throat> to help them um, become close with the Lord, and I had completely failed that um, at that point, which made me super nervous um, because my daughter was just about ready to turn 13 years old, um, the time that I absolutely drifted away from the Lord. So 
for the next few weeks, the Holy Spirit was working in me, man. I couldn't sleep. I would have feelings of guilt and all sorts of things. But at that point, I decided that I was going to begin attending church um, for my children's sake. Um, and so we started um, going back to church. And, and like I said, it was always at that point just for my children's sake. And so it wasn't shortly after attending church um, that I began to realize I needed it um, just as much as they needed it, and maybe even a little more so that I could be an example to them as their mother. Um, and so I started um, really believing and, and worshiping the Lord. I'm guilty of, um, and, and I'm guilty of being a backslider. Um, I have a tendency and have had in faith my entire life to just go all full force and then to take steps back. And I still struggle with that today. Um, but I'm thankful for the people who helped create a foundation in my life. I know that without that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Um, so I'm thankful for my parents, my grandparents. I'm thankful for the Sunday school teachers, for the Camp Bethel counselors, for all the people that built um, a, a foundation for me with the Lord, because I know that without them, um, I wouldn't be here today. I think it's a lot easier to come back home once you know where home is. And so I'm thankful for the people who helped create and show me what home was. And I hope that I can do that for my children. Um, and I also think be willing to be brave and bold because you never know. Maybe one sentence you say to somebody could have such an impact on their life and their walk with the Lord. Wait, wait. You guys don't know this, but I was Andrea's speech coach when she was in high school. And I tried to get her to come back to the Lord, and she just pushed me off. <laughs> but I'm her pastor today, so that's a good thing. Well, you guys, I think it'd be good to close this service with some worship. So let's stand, and uh, let's just begin to worship him. And thank you for what he's done in your life over the last few years. Let's worship.
those words, if you can put them back up. When you thought I lost me, or when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. Maybe you can relate to Savannah's story today, a story of protection, a story of maybe sometimes wondering where God's at, but all the time, He's there directing your life. Maybe it's like Mike. Maybe your story's been developed by all the people that God sent into your life. Or maybe it's like Cassie. Her story's about God never giving up on her. When she said, I'm going to do my own thing for a while, God drew her back. She surrendered. After she surrendered, God helped her meet her, a great husband. Now she has a great son, and the second one's on the way. Or maybe it's like Justin. How God wrote his story by learning how to stand against peer pressure. And how he was faithful. God was faithful to guide him through all those pressures, all because some missionaries showed up in a grandmother's life. Or maybe it's like Andrea. She told us how God's mercy and forgiveness was there. Even when she walked away and made mistakes and God forgave her, restored her life and how her story began to unfold in miraculous ways. All because of a bold uncle who just drew her back and I just don't want you to ever underestimate your potential in somebody else's life. A bold uncle drew her back and her speech coach. It just does me good to see all of you serving God. And when I think of Andrea, I remember those years where she just kind of like, Doug, you can talk to me all you want, but I'm going to do my own thing. And to have her in this church is such an honor for me. I've loved this girl for many, many years. Probably way, uh, 40 years, probably. But anyway, God's drawing you today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're like some of these people who just said, you know, I did, I'm doing my own thing. You can drink and party hard and still come to church on Sunday. And that's okay. But I can tell you this, there's a bigger plan. And I like what Cassie said that, you know, pretty soon it began to taste like spam or whatever it was. So every head bowed, every eye closed. You know where you're at today, but I can tell you this. You're here on purpose by the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you. He's telling you, it's time to get back with me or it's time to come to me for the first time ever. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because you got to be bold. You're not, you you, you got to just not care what other people think and say, that's me. I know God's talking to me right now, and I'm going to sell out to him and surrender it all to him. If that's you, raise your hand right now and say, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Keep them high. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. That's three. Anyone over here? Four, five. Any more? Six. Thank you. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this together. I see another one. Seven. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together by faith. You believe in your heart. You confess it with your mouth, and Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior. So say this with me by faith.
Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Now, I want to sing that song one more time. Altar workers, if you can come up. If you gave your life to Christ, here's what you need to do. Tell somebody. Come up and tell an altar worker and say, I gave my life to Christ today because if you will confess him before men, Jesus says you'll confess him before my Father. If you need prayer for anything, let's just get, take care of that today. Don't care what anybody else thinks. Get up and get some prayer as we sing this uh, song one more time. And let me just say the next step is get baptized in water. If you've not been baptized in water, that's the first step of obedience. Get, get a fresh start. Go through Equip. Become a disciple. Let's worship.